Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day post-match podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, Dean Ashton, the former West Ham and England forward and TalkSport's transfer guru, Alex Crook. The only way is exit for Leeds as Crawley have the right stuff. Reality bites in FA Cup shocker. Newport take Brighton the distance before the Seagulls show steel in the shootout. Spurs destroy the yellow club Marine with divine intervention grabbing the headlines. Plus, Burnley escapes shock at home to MK Dons, Blackpool knock out Big Sam and Tier 6 Chorley knock out Wayne Rooney's derby. Well, sort of, as the Rams bubble bursts. All the reviews of the weekend on the podcast that is playing Adele on repeat and belting it out at the top of our voice. It's the Game Day post-match podcast from TalkSport. is game day and a big hello to Dean Ashton who played in an FA Cup final how are you? I'm great thank you thanks for mentioning that not only played but scored in an FA Cup final it was an absolute screamer as well yeah and uh, Alex Crook back to your first goal scorer that day I did I did a, a, a rare winning bet actually yeah 50p <laughs> each way uh, and Alex Crook also once went to an FA Cup final but he was in a hospitality box and doesn't remember the game hello how are you <laughs> I'm good I'm good you know what I had a fantastic weekend I thought the FA Cup has, has taken a bit of a kicking in recent seasons people questioning the integrity of the competition given what was going on at Villa and at Derby I thought it was fantastic even without supporters which clearly took something away from the occasion Crawley, Chorley, the, the penalty drama at Newport. This was a, a brilliant third round weekend. And, and credit to the Premier League managers because a lot of them put out very strong sides and took the competition very seriously. Yeah, a lot of them put out strong sides because it, it dictates, the circumstances dictate that you have to, doesn't it? I mean, I was talking to David Moyes about it and he was saying, look, you know, with a COVID bubble, you can't bring in a whole host of uh, youth team players. You, you either play a whole youth team or you use the players that you've got uh, in your first team bubble, a couple of clubs had integrated one or two youngsters into first team training in the build up to this and tested them and, and brought them into the bubble. But but pretty much a lot of first team players were on show. And I think that's probably a plus for the competition. And also for some teams, it was it was important. I mean, for Chelsea, for example, Timo Werner scored a goal, which was uh, important for him uh, as well. Um, Dean, did you enjoy the weekend? I did. Yeah, I think, um, you know, my my 
son rarely watches football, if at all. And he sat down with real excitement with me yesterday to see that stadium that Marine's got with the houses and the people in the back gardens. And he really bought into it. He just sat there for 45. Honestly, he wouldn't, he doesn't watch football, even though he plays it and enjoy it. He doesn't watch it. So for him to sit down, get right into it. I mean, we both jumped up when they hit the crossbar. I just thought that's, you, you can't, you know, you, you, that just doesn't happen. And and I just keep thinking this doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. No. Watching the likes of Gareth Bale and the Tottenham Stars play at a stadium like that, you, you just don't see it. Right, let's get to it then because there's loads of games to look back on and there's lots of issues that came out of the weekend which will affect the midweek Premier League fixtures as well. So there's a whole host of things to look back on and look forward to as we get into what was a mammoth FA Cup weekend on TalkSport. A big FA Cup third round shock could be on here in West Sussex. It's Crawley of League 2-1, Leeds United nil, and it's a stunning first senior goal from Nick Sarula. It's crazy. It's been a long, hard road for me, a couple of tough years, and I mean, what a moment that was. That was, that was brilliant. Anyone can come back from anything, you know. Yeah. I just hope I can uh, inspire someone else out there. Um, who's going through something like me. Manchester City 3, Birmingham City nil, and it's Phil Foden getting in on the act. Mares just laying the ball off to his right-hand side, just outside the D, left foot shot, crisp as you like, Silver with two, Foden with the third. City 3, Birmingham nil. As it goes in for number four, Kai Havertz getting on the end of Azpilicueta's perceptive cross on the edge of the six-yard box. People with pressure should really sit back and go, actually, let's, let's give the players time because they're great lads, they're very talented players. And we signed them for now and for the future. Matthews swings in the free kick. It's a dangerous ball. Good header away by Phillips. Great save, Casilla. And then the rebound is tapped in. And it's 3-0 to Crawley Town. This is the magic of the FA Cup. I think it's sunk in yet. Yeah. He can't sink. And as I say, the pity is there's no, no supporters here. I'm telling all the lads, like, you know, go out and enjoy it tonight. And of course, can't go anywhere. <laughs> and Alfie Devine. I think has just eclipsed Dane Scarlett as the youngest ever player to play for Tottenham Hotspur at 16 years and 204 days. Very much part of the Tottenham Hotspur team. Devine has picked it up now, right footed in towards the near post and he scored! And what a moment for him, the 16 year old, the youngest player to play for Spurs has scored! So where should we start? Should we start with um, Crawley Leeds? Because I suppose that's the biggest headline grabber. I mean, Chorley Derby, very important, but ultimately Derby had a bit of a reserve team going on. Uh, Crawley Leeds, great performance. It wasn't really slim pickings for Bielsa. Nine of the 11 have played in the Premier League uh, this season. Crawley just had a little bit more about them, didn't they, Dean? They did. They go very well in the league. We are beaten in nine. Um, and, I mean, what's interesting is they... They left the top scorer on the bench as well, Max Waters, who's had a great season um, so far. Um, and like you say, Leeds put out a strong side, kept lots of the possession. Um, but I thought Casilla in goal looked really, really poor and a few of the goals. And, exactly, yeah. And, and and it's just them sort of things that I think you need to go for you if you're, if you're a, a Crawley side. If you're in good form and you can get that first goal and the keeper doesn't have a great game, a great game for the opposition side then that's what could happen. Um, slightly disappointed that, you know, I saw a lot of the headlines about the uh, the A-lister that came came off the bench um, because it was it was actually a fantastic <laughs> performance from Crawley. 
Yeah, well, Mark Wright, who is from The Only Way is Essex and then he's married to Michelle Keegan, has gone on to do other things. He he was a, uh, a, a sort of youth team footballer at Tottenham, got released. He's now restarted his football career at Crawley at the age of 33. He played two minutes in this game. And, and, and for all the good PR that he brought to it, and he did bring a lot of attention to the game because everybody knows who he is. And I got off air last night. I, I was at Marine versus Tottenham. And the first text message I got was someone telling me, uh, asking me whether or not I was the one who'd interviewed him on TalkSport earlier in the day. One of my wife's mates, obviously, uh, for, 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 for reasons that weren't to do with his footballing ability, I don't think. Um, but um, Nick Cerula's story of coming back from a serious car crash that led to his release from Spurs to score the opener in only his seventh ever game of senior football is a much better story, isn't it? That's the line, Alex Crook. Yeah, you'd have to have a heart of stone as well not to feel emotional watching his post-match interview when he, he broke down in front of the cameras and you could see how much it meant to him. And and that's what the FA Cup is all about in some ways. Um, resurrection for him and the 16-year-old scoring for Tottenham. Obviously, the tabloids were going to latch on to Mark, right? We actually interviewed his brother, Josh, um, who came off the bench and played a few more minutes on Darren Bent's boot room on, on Sunday night. And I think a lot of people see it as a gimmick, but from what Josh was saying, this is something that Mark has always wanted to do. He's worked incredibly hard to get up to the rigours of professional football at a veteran age, so you have to give him credit for that. But I think Crawley, as a unit, as a team, as a club, did themselves proud. John Yems has taken a bit of bad publicity this season for some of his post-match interviews. He's a journeyman manager, but he did a job on Bielsa, basically, because they didn't do anything revolutionary that they put balls into the box they made it uncomfortable for leads and those leads players wilted it's the the old adage that sometimes hard work beats talent and that was certainly the case for Crawley I think by bringing on Mark Wright effectively a, a reality TV star probably just added to Leeds humiliation and makes this one of the most embarrassing results in FA Cup history uh, heralded as the ultimate tactician. He made three changes at halftime, Bielsa, but it had absolutely no effect. Um, <laughs> but it was great. Look, at the end of the day, you know, I think we were talking about this last night on Darren Ben's boot room when you were suggesting that maybe they'll laugh it off eventually. Someone will laugh it off eventually because, you know, in the grand scheme of things, Bielsa has so much credit in the bank that this doesn't matter too much. But... Um, it was an embarrassing defeat for Leeds United and it's created great headlines for Crawley and good luck to them because they've got uh, the possibility of being in the fifth round draw because obviously tonight they're drawing fourth and fifth round which means they will know who they get in the fourth round but who potentially they could play in the fifth round if they go even another step further. It's very exciting uh, for the Sussex team. Uh, let's talk about Chorley then because um, this is a, a magnificent story. A team from the sixth tier beating Derby County. I was watching this game on Saturday and it honestly looked like I was watching a Sunday league football match when I first tuned in because it is literally on a park, isn't it? I mean, there was, I think there's, there's a couple of sort of terracing behind the goal or whatever, but I mean, Marine's worse and uh, worse. It has more charm, but I'll talk about that in just a moment. But, but Chorley, they were handed a little bit of an advantage because they were playing a team of Derby kids, weren't they? I mean, Derby had a COVID outbreak, so couldn't field a first team, Dean. Yeah, they did. Um, I think what's interesting about this fixture and, and watching bits of it was that I think clearly, as we saw with Villa, that the opportunity for these kids to make debuts and to, to be thrust into somewhat of the limelight and given an opportunity, but it's different 
playing a Liverpool side with that experience and that quality, this Chorley team, this is their biggest game of their lives. Yeah. And if you put the biggest game of their lives for men against the biggest game of their lives for kids, there is absolutely only going to be one outcome. And that's that's exactly what happened. They were just too wise, too strong, uh, too wily against the, the young Derby side. And, and I thought, as soon as I heard that Derby weren't going to be able to field their best side, I thought this was a this was almost a, a banker for Chorley. And what a great opportunity, like you said, for the draw tonight, for them to look at. And I just sort of looked at the contrast. Bobby Duncan played for Derby, who there was huge um, sort of... Fanfare about, yeah. Looking. I've commentated on exactly. him in England youth teams. Exactly, exactly. And, and you compare him to Louis Barry just the contrast of what can happen in a game. Even if you lose the game, that opportunity to shine, is, is the, the, the margins are so small. I think the worst thing about the Chorley-Derby situation was is that we all thought Chorley would win. You know, they're, they're in the sixth tier, but Crook and I were talking about it before the match and both of us were like, well, Chorley will win this because I think me and you, Dean, had been to Aston Villa on the Friday night and watched the youngsters play against Liverpool and looked at how good their shape was and their energy was for 20, 30, 40 minutes. But ultimately, after half time, they just didn't have the, 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 the physicality and the fitness to be able to deal with that level of men's football. And I just thought that the same thing would probably happen at Jolly to a different degree, that the physicality, the brutish nature of these non-league players would end up taking hold. And that's what happened. But there were some great scenes afterwards you know post-match interviews <laughs> swigging bottles of Budweiser I mean it just doesn't happen in the Premier League it only happens in the FA Cup and um, the whole team in the dressing room karaoke singing Adele badly it was brilliant you're a bit harsh there singing it badly I actually thought they uh, gave a pretty good rendition yeah but to be you, honest. you're tone deaf <laughs> it, was, it was a fantastic moment I mean the choice of song perhaps is, is, is open to debate but clearly that's become a bit of a ritual and, and that's what the FA Cup is all about but I think we should actually credit Derby and Aston Villa presumably both clubs had the option not to field a team and just to throw the tie they didn't do that I, I think they deserve plaudits for that let's call up the assistant manager of Chorley and find out how his hangover is getting on Andy Priest. hi Andy how are you you alright yeah, we're good, thank you. Andy, first of all, how's your hangover? Oh, God. I'm still I'm still struggling now. Um, <laughs> it was the same in the previous round, to be fair. Uh, but we got a game on, on Tuesday, so we've uh, got to snap into it quick. What an experience uh, for Chorley to knock out Derby County. Um, did you think that you were... I mean, a lot of us were talking about this um, earlier on. We were saying that we thought that you were probably favourites going into the game. I mean, that sounds a little bit odd, bearing in mind that you're from the sixth tier. But as soon as you knew that Derby were going to have to play a slightly different team, did you feel as if you were going to be favourites for the match? We weren't sure until we started to do some research and we started to hear what was happening there and how many players were the 23s were actually in the first-team squad. Um and we felt that that might change the mental mindset going into the game, especially to the, for the players. So suddenly becoming, you know, we're massive underdogs and having Wayne Rooney, ex-England captain, and Steve McLaren, ex-England manager, come in. You know, the way that lifts you as, as a, a player. Um, suddenly, would that adrenaline and that lift go, us now being favourites and almost put us in a different position of, of being under pressure. So... 
it, it did change things a little bit, but fair play to the players that they played like, uh, like they were playing the first team. And, uh, uh, it was a great performance in the end. Andy, you had a bit of experience as a giant killer, as a player. You scored a winner for Stockport against then top flight Queen's Park Rangers in the FA Cup. How do the two experiences compare? What 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 gave you the greater thrill, that goal or, or helping mastermind a win against Championship Derby County as a coach? Such a difficult question. That uh, I, I think that the, what we've done over the the, the four uh, the three rounds. Um, beaten League One opposition twice away from home and beaten the championship side. I think that has to, has to just beat it. The only thing missing is the fans. And, and on that day, you know, when you score a winner in FA Cup, uh, giant killing, the fans are on the pitch. You know, they're picking you up, they're carrying you off. Um, and that experience stays with you for, forever. But um, I think the actual achievement itself, beating Derby, is, is it just nicks it. Nine of the Derby starting eleven were were making their uh, senior debuts, but this is a a club, surely, which are in the sixth tier of the uh, of the English pyramid. You've already beaten the 2013 winners, Wigan, in the first round before seeing off Peterborough in the second round. I mean, who on earth are you going to to knock out in the fourth round? <laughs> I said jokingly in an interview that. Um... Uh, it's just, we've done League One, two in League One. We've done one in the Championship, so sure, it's got to be one from the Premier League. But uh, oh, God, I, if we could just draw a Premier League club, it, w- it would be great. Um, be, be fantastic for the for the players. They've earned that chance, I think. Now to, to come through so many rounds, so many big teams, um, some brilliant performance. So I think they deserve a real big one. It'll be a bit nerve-wracking for, for myself and, uh, and Jamie, the manager, because um, if we did pick a Premier League club, then, you know, you just don't want it to, to you know, to be embarrassing. But, you, you know, you just don't know. You get them at home, um, on our pitch. Um, uh, the chance is there for everybody. Andy, yeah, you talked about your pitch there. And obviously coming up against these these top sides as well, is there a big difference with there not being supporters there for your team do you think that helps in certain in certain games? Definitely, Dean. It, 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 I think so, sometimes for the for the for the big teams, it feels like a, almost a pre-season game, and, and it, it, ultimately it's hard to, to get yourselves right up for it, like it is an FA Cup tie. Where when we've gone to Wigan and when we've gone to Peterborough, you know that you don't need to get the players up, the players up for it. Um, but the fans can make a big difference. And especially at Wigan, when they were 2-0 up at, uh, at half-time, the fans would have been right behind behind them and kept them going where, you know, they didn't have that. As soon as we scored, you know, they didn't have the fans behind them and pushing them on. So I think it's made it made a, quite a big difference. And probably reason why, you know, there were, you know, there's been a few shocks, especially early on, uh, with teams going away from home uh, and beating league opposition. Um, obviously, this is a lifeline for the club itself in terms of uh, the money that you will get because I suppose you've picked up TV revenue and you've picked up prize money that you weren't anticipating, bearing in mind you've had to go through the season without any supporters or very many supporters very often in your ground. That must make a major difference. Oh, unbelievable. Um, it's... It was going to be tough, whatever, um, you know, with COVID and no fans. Um, but 
you know, the FA Cup has, has been a lifeline, which it is for many clubs, uh, you know, over over the years. This is where you get your, your prize money. If you're very lucky, you get a, a TV game. Um, but for us now, you know, it, it will put the club in such a strong position then to, to kick on. And there's been so much work done o- over the years just to keep the club running uh, by Ken and Graham, the, the joint owners. Um, so... It's their reward for all those years of, of of trying to find money, writing checks to to, to keep the club going, uh, to, to pay the wages. Um, so I don't know. It probably it probably be getting up to probably half a million pounds by the time you know that the the next round's done. So that is a, an enormous amount of money for a, for a non-league club, and uh, you know hopefully we we can see the benefit of that, not just um, the, the the team, but you know, everything around the, the football club and um, getting into the community and expanding the club as a whole. Um, OK, final question before we let you go. One, could you sing us a little bit of Adele? Uh, and, <laughs> and, and two, where on earth did that come from? Because I, ha- I got the lyrics up a little bit earlier on and I thought maybe there was something in the lyrics that sort of spoke about, you know, I don't know, coming from nowhere or, or being the underdogs or something. But no, it's all about a, a girl whose uh, ex-boyfriend who's gone off with somebody else. So I couldn't really find the yeah, connection. It's a, it's a strange one. I'm not singing. I'm telling you, you don't want everybody to, to turn off. Um <laughs> The the song came from uh, the manager Jamie Vermiglio um, a few years ago. They were just looking for a song to sing after again. I don't know how he came up with this one. Like you say, there is nothing in the lyrics. It's, you know, uh, there's a little bit in the minute in the middle uh, where the tempo goes up a little bit, but I, there's nothing in there. I I can't see it myself, but it's just stuck, and everybody seems to know it. Um, and it's a great, it's a good sing-along song if you're not really listening to the words of what you're what you're singing. The big bit that we that we picked out is um, it says it it ain't over, and and that's what we used uh, um, right, before, okay. the, before the game to keep things going. And uh, you know it ain't over yet, is it? Is it? So uh, we'll have to see who we get in the fourth. It certainly isn't over. Uh, thank you very much for your time, Andy Priest. Thank you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Left of the uh, D, plays it into Ali. Vinicius Junior trying to win it, gets it back off, then tries to scoop it to the far corner and does loop the goal. The goalkeeper 
and scores a terrific goal, a brilliant finish. And Jose Mourinho and Carlos Vinicius and Tottenham Hotspur have definitely sunk the yellow club marine. It's hit by Lucas Moura towards the far corner and in. And Bailey Passant can't stop that free kick from swirling over the wall. Here is Deli Alley moving towards the edge of the area. He flicks the ball out towards the far post. Doherty is there, tries to tap it in, he can't. It's saved by the goalkeeper and pushed home by Vinicius. It's a second goal for him in five minutes. Coming forward, Devine has picked it up now, right-footed, in towards the near post, and he scored! And what a moment for him, the 16-year-old, the youngest player to play for Spurs, has scored within 14 and a half minutes of coming off the bench. Tottenham lead by five goals to nil. It was a Devine finish by Alfie Devine. As a full-time whistle, Marine's famous cup run comes to an end. They are 161 places below Spurs, but for 23 minutes, you wouldn't have known it. But the occasion, the setting, the makeshift changing rooms in the wedding disco hall, the fans in the back gardens, the bin man, the teacher and Mourinho, it all screamed FA Cup. And it was an FA Cup occasion to remember. It might have been different at Kenji's effort, which rattled the top of the crossbar after 20 minutes and dipped under the bar and beaten Joe Hart. Vinicius with three goals in the first 45 minutes, his first hat-trick for Spurs. Lucas Moura scoring in between the first and second goal. Devine coming off the bench, the youngest player in Tottenham's history, netting within 15 minutes of coming off the bench to make his debut, means that Tottenham will go through to the fourth round of the FA Cup, courtesy of a victory at Marine by five goals to nil. Right, should we talk about Marine? Marine versus Tottenham, because I, w- I was at this game. Um, and uh, again, Marine, for 20 minutes, they did really well. They're in the eighth tier. It's the biggest gap ever between uh, teams in the FA Cup. The biggest goal of 161 places. When the draw was made, Tottenham were top of the table. Um, and Marine, they're midway in the Northern Premier League, Northwest Division 1. Uh, which has been suspended um, three times already this season. It was a spirited display. I thought their shape was absolutely excellent, Dean, for the first sort of 20 minutes, and they held on really well and restricted Tottenham to to pot shots from set pieces. Yeah, they did. And, and as we just talked about with the young players, they can keep that shape. But it was almost like 20 minutes in, 25 minutes in, that, that burn of the speed and the power. A couple of times, I think Lucas Moura turned at one point and just burst past about three players, you know, and and, uh, and the same for Sissoko at one point as well. Yeah. So you could you could just start to see, like you said, after that opportunity where they hit the crossbar, Tottenham just seemed to ramp it up a, a level and they literally, they just couldn't then cope with the speed, the pace, the quality. And, and, and massive credit, actually, to Tottenham and their players. I thought they actually popped the ball around really nicely, controlled the ball very well considering on that surface. And then, like you say, a few opportunities, one that nearly, did one nearly absolutely smash you boys that were just behind the goal at one point? Yeah, it hit me on the leg. (laughs) And I closed my eyes it came towards me. I was going to say, you you took it like a man, didn't you? I saw that on the the TV pictures when you were frantically scrambling to protect your pretty face. It wasn't on the TV, was it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh dear. It was pretty embarrassing that, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Yeah. See what I'd have done, I'd have just risen from my commentary chair and headed the ball back onto the pitch. 
You, you oh, chose the opposite approach. I, I actually can't believe that that was on the television. I didn't realise that, but I did. I, 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 I closed my eyes and I actually had had a word with myself before the game because I'd almost been hit with the ball twice before the game had actually started. And I said, look, if the ball comes anywhere near you, just put your arms up in front of your face and don't worry about it. Um, and, and yet when it did come to me, I, I, I just closed my eyes. Um, th- so there was a devastating spell, wasn't there? Shortly after Neil Kenji had hit the top of the crossbar, um, which was a brilliant shot. And I wonder whether or not that moment would have changed the entire weekend had it had just dipped under the crossbar when Joe Hart was caught out, actually. I think he misread the flight of the ball. I think three goals in 10 minutes, wasn't it? Vinicius getting a hat-trick, Lucas Moura scoring a free kick it was pretty special uh, and then Alfie Devine coming off the bench the youngest ever player to play for Spurs um, he was actually born after Jose had declared that he was a special one and dry your eyes mate was number one in the UK charts I mean he really is he's a baby he's 16 years and a hundred and something days it's amazing I, I loved his reaction he could he couldn't hide his joy and, and again you know that, that, that is what the FA Cup conjures up, moments like that that will be cherished by him and his family for a lifetime. It was a fantastic moment. I thought Jose actually managed the game quite well. He, he showed Marine respect with his team selection in terms of including most of the big hitters in the squad. Gareth Bale coming on was a, a surreal moment in, in his career, a Champions League winner uh, coming on at a ground like that. Vinicius took his goals well. Deli Ali played quite well. I think he'd have been disappointed not to play the full 90 minutes. I thought Lucas Moura was excellent as well. They defended really well, stayed switched on. And I like what Jose said before the game. If you lose in the Premier League, it's my fault. If you lose this game, it's your fault. And the players took that responsibility on their shoulders, didn't act like big time Charlies and got the job done. I think, the, you know, everyone was looking at that game. What was it like when you were getting to the stadium? How did it feel? Did it, did it still have that real you know, nostalgic feel about the FA Cup. Um, I said this on air yesterday. Um, It actually filled me with dread because as I pulled up, I noticed that there were loads of people lining the streets and the route from parking the car to getting to the stadium was blocked by lots of people. And bearing in mind, I've I've got relatives that live in in Liverpool and I know the the situation with the, uh, the COVID rates there. Um, I, 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 I didn't like it. I didn't feel comfortable walking from the car to the ground. And I know that in years gone by, that would have been a sort of emotive, um, oh, wild scenes moment where everybody is behind the local team, etc., etc. But it's just not appropriate at this stage. And I don't think that it was handled particularly well by uh, the police initially. They said afterwards, after I posted a video, which ended up getting quite a few views on on Twitter, um, that they um, that the Merseyside police said that the most people were social distancing. I didn't have that experience. I've got to be honest with you. My experience of it was I felt as if I was in a place I didn't want to be. Um, and, and on a normal FA Cup weekend, that would have been the greatest thing about the weekend. It would have been beautiful. It would have captured the spirit of the tournament. But at this stage in in the situation that we are in, when people are being asked to stay in in their houses and not go out. It's, it was entirely inappropriate, I think. I just don't think we can pick and choose when, when we're in a pandemic. You know, it, it, the coronavirus does not know that Marina playing Tottenham Hotspur for the first time in their 126-year history. I thought it was utterly shameful, um, to be honest, especially when TalkSport as a, as a station were leading the drive to let fans back in 
when they were allowed to re-enter stadiums before the most recent lockdowns. And you can understand now, looking at those scenes, why there's a, a sense in government that football fans can't be trusted to obey the rules. Many of those supporters that were on Sam's video weren't wearing masks. There was no distance between them. It was foolhardy. It was reckless. And again, I think when it comes to lifting restrictions and allowing fans back into the stadium, the government are going to use those images almost as a stick to beat football fans. And I think the reaction from the police, and I call it uh, a reaction because they were reactive as opposed to proactive. They should have known um, that it was a big deal, Tottenham coming to town, that people were going to try and get out on the streets and, and catch a glimpse effectively of, of a bus with blacked out windows. I'm not sure what they expected to see but they should have had more officers lining the streets to, to prevent those scenes in the first place. Maybe we're being a little bit sort of, we are privileged in that we go to football matches and that we interact with football players and not everybody does that. So the idea of Tottenham coming into your town is a major, major deal. Maybe we don't appreciate how big that is, or even if we do appreciate how big that is, you just said there, I don't understand why they're looking at a coach with blacked out windows. Well, I must admit, when I walked out the ground, I thought, I don't understand why there's still people here. There were still one or two people hanging around, not even one or two, it was about 20 or 30 people hanging around waiting for a clip. I said, I, I couldn't work out what, what, what the reason for that was. Uh, but ultimately, the overriding concern is why are you doing it in a pandemic? That's, that's more important. You know, there's so many clear health messages which say stay indoors. And I think that, you know, it's a political argument more other than a football one, but it is a worrying one because if football doesn't get to grips with these sorts of scenes, then you know what's happening next. And that's, that's bad for, for everybody who loves the sport. And it doesn't send the right message either. Um, I did think inside the ground with the, um, the, the, the supporters watching from the back gardens, that was quite a romantic yeah. notion i quite enjoyed that because they were only the people that owned the houses and lived in the houses in their back gardens therefore they were doing what you know they that were. for a fact though no i don't know that for a fact but it, i mean i said this on air it looked to me that where i was and remember i was behind the goal so i didn't have a full sort of vista of what was going on down that touchline i could only see probably up to number 12 or 11 crosby road um but from where I could see, there was there was just a bunch of four or five people in each garden, and I just assumed that all those people would live together, bearing in mind a lot of them were kids. So I'm guessing that that was the case, and I gave them the benefit of the doubt in that, because why wouldn't you? Um, I don't know what happened at the other end, because I couldn't see that far down, because I was that far away from the other goal, because we were commentating from behind the goal, which was very strange, but unique and fun at the same time. Uh, but th- I thought that, you know, climbing the trees to grab a, a little look, people standing in their actual windows and opening the tops of their windows and looking out of their windows to watch the game, that was, that was sort of a throwback, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I think that's, again, that they're the sort of images that you that get sent around the world for, for the FA Cup in, in this country that I think endears so many people to the competition is, is you just don't get... You just don't get that in any other league where you get teams playing against a side like that in a stadium like that with scenes as, as good as that. And um, and that, that, again, is what sort of pulled my young lad into watch it and probably did many other kids in and around the country.
Let's talk about uh, what's upcoming before we review the rest of the matches because Manchester United play in midweek against Burnley. They can go top of the Premier League table, uh, but they might have to do so with a couple of absentees. Eric Bailly uh, got himself in a tangle with Dean Henderson during the Watford game. And as a result of that, I mean, there's a danger that he may miss the game. And how worrying would that be for Manchester United, bearing in mind that they've started to rely on him, Alex? Well, you can't rely on him. I mean, you've mentioned it before. You talked about him getting sent off. If he doesn't get sent off, then inevitably he gets injured. I mean, he's had every injury known to man uh, since he came to Old Trafford. Okay, this one's a little bit unfortunate, but he will be a loss because he's been playing really well of late. Having said that, I think Burnley have got quite a few absentees as well. So if Manchester United are serious title contenders, this is a game they have to go and win. And it's going to be interesting to see how they react because for the first time in the league arguably since Sir Alex retired. The pressure is on now. They are in a title race. I know they finished second under Jose Mourinho, but they were never really in that title race. They're in the thick of this one. Let's see if they stand up and be counted and win this game and put the pressure on Liverpool ahead of the weekend. Um, Of course, they then go to Liverpool on Sunday, which is going to be a massive, massive game. Um, Do you think that uh, they will be top by the time they go to Anfield on Sunday, Dean? I think they'll beat Burnley. I think it's almost the sort of perfect uh, team to play. You know, Burnley will sit back and defend. They've got very, very little going forward at the moment to to threaten whoever plays instead of Bailly. Um I think Manchester United will control that game. And, and it hasn't been an issue scoring goals, especially away from home for them. I don't see it being any, any different. Um, I mean, look, it'll always be a, a little bit tough at Turf Moor, but I expect them to get through with their quality and that will then make Sunday even more mouth-watering. Let me just take you back a year. There I was on my wedding anniversary on January the 30th, uh, 2020. I gave Mrs. Matterface a real treat. I said to her, I've got a night off tonight. Uh, It is our wedding anniversary. Let's go to Manchester United versus Burnley. Um, and Manchester United lost by two goals to nil exactly a year ago, the last time that they uh, played Burnley in the cold of January. Two goals, uh, two absolute belting goals, actually. Uh, one from Jay Rodriguez, which sticks in my memory uh, now. Um, uh, so it's not a foregone conclusion, is it? I commentated that game, actually, um, for Talk Sport International. It was an absolutely dismal um, Manchester United performance you were questioning then yeah um, I was never forgiven by the way in, in the <laughs> right direction I, I think this is a different Manchester United side I, I take issue slightly with what Dean said about scoring goals because I think there's certain players there who, who do need to up it in that department they're too reliant on Fernandez. Martial has scored twice in 12 Premier League games Rashford is a bit hit and miss at the moment and Mason Greenwood seems to have completely forgotten where the back of the net is. So I still think they are one striker short of really being able to challenge the likes of Liverpool and Manchester City. I don't see them addressing it this window, but we've been speaking um, off mic, Sam, for the past couple of weeks. I think they've got to go all out for Erling Haaland. I think he could be the difference maker in the seasons ahead. into extra time and Colin Jennings and Stockport County lead. We've got the staff behind us and we've got the players who you know come off, off the bench and in the squad that will, will make changes and, and hopefully cause West Ham some problems. Picked on by Armstrong. That's an own goal. An astonishing one as well by 
Most clubs have not been able to use the young players because we're not able to get them tested. They're not able to train with us. We certainly won't have, have a, a team full of young players, that's for sure. An inswinging cross and the acrobatic shot. It's an outstanding goal by Mikhail Antonio. Monday night sees Stockport take on West Ham United. Jim Gannon, who's the Stockport manager now, was in the side in 1996 when Stockport knocked them out of the League Cup and Ian Dowie scored a brilliant own goal. Has anyone seen the brilliant Ian Dowie own goal? Yeah, It's quality, isn't it? It's like, it's a brilliant bullet header finish uh, by a centre forward. The only issue is he stuck it beyond his own goalie. <laughs> Oh, it's fantastic, isn't it? And um, it's great these two have been, have been paired together again. Obviously, very different circumstances now. I, I think the gap in quality will be too big. Again, I think without a home crowd to, to rule them on, that takes away a bit of jeopardy as far as West Ham are concerned as well. I would expect David Moyes to pick a, a reasonably strong team for the reasons you've already underlined with the bubbles not being able to be mixed. And I think West Ham are a team who, who should be targeting this FA Cup because they're not under any threat of relegation in the Premier League. And I think David Moyes knows the value of a cup run. And actually, I think they could go deep into the draw. Well, David Moyes has said, uh, Dean Ashton, that he's going to play a strong team, hasn't he? How important would it be for West Ham to go back to an FA Cup um, final? Because they haven't been in one since 2006. They've only been in the quarterfinals twice since you scored your famous goal. And uh, and then uh, Scaloni ruined your day by not picking up uh, Steven Gerrard on the edge of the area. Oh, did he just, what did he do? He threw the ball back to... Uh, to, to Liverpool. No, no, he? he got he, he got thrown the ball from uh, and, and he was just meant to whack it downfield and he spooned it straight to John Arnarisa yeah, who then it. played it in and it flicked to Gerard. Poor old Scaloni. It was still another three or four touches before it got to Gerard, who scored probably the most ridiculous goal I've ever seen live. But I've written down I've written down vital for West Ham. I think it's that important the cup competitions and the FA Cup and like uh, like Crook said there, they're they're fine in the league. They should be putting absolutely every effort into getting through in this competition, giving the supporters something to get excited about. Uh, but, you know, this this will be tough. I, I played with Jim Gannon in my early career, played against him as well. Yeah, I did. He's a very calm, um, studied the game when, when I was... Uh, when I played with him, very, very helpful to me as a young player. And look, he's dealt with Stockport, who um, before he was manager. It was their best time in their whole history. I remember playing against them in Division One and for him to take over um, at, at that club and to bring it through a really difficult period, I think says a lot about him as a person. Um, and I think he'll absolutely love this tonight to, to put himself against a, a top side I know how much you'll be looking forward to really trying to make it difficult for West Ham. And he's a West Ham fan, isn't he, as well? Okay, uh, that's Monday night. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday morning, you already know the result of what happened between Stockport and uh, West Ham United. Still to come, we're going to look at West Brom, Burnley, Everton, Arsenal and Bristol Rovers shock. Sheffield United scored three times in one game.
Let's look back at Saturday then. And the big story from Saturday, Dean Ashton, was West Bromwich Albion going out. Oh, we never would have seen that coming. Um, West Brom going out on penalties eventually. I watched this game on, uh, I think it was either the FA player or on one of the sort of extra channels that you can get on one of the, uh, one of the broadcasters because I just had the feeling right from the very off that this game was going to result in a problem for the baggies. Well, I think Neil Critchley, who's who's um, who's gone into Blackpool, and you'd have to say he's had a sort of indifferent season, very inconsistent. But at times, his team, as you would expect, an ex-crew and, and Liverpool man, play some great stuff. They do plenty yeah. of attack, plenty of attacking talent in his squad. Jerry Yates and Medine up front are always going to cause cause problems. I just thought about this. I thought. Will Sam care? Will he really care? Now, I, th- I think he'll care about winning, I think, and the importance of the confidence that that could bring. But I just think he will have looked at this game as a great opportunity to look at some of his players and whether you are any use to me in the coming months. Because he's not been brought in there to win the FA Cup. He's been brought in to save them from relegation. And he will have a good look at the likes of Kravinovic and Grzycki to say are these players for me in the next few few months? Yeah, I think I think Dean's right. I mean, I, I don't necessarily um, subscribe to the opinion that going out of the FA Cup is, is helpful at this stage. I understand in terms of fixture congestion, but surely that's just going to eke away at West Brom's already fragile confidence. It's really interesting um, that the man who missed the penalty, um, Mateus Pereira, was one of their stars of last season. Yeah. But he just isn't hitting the heights this campaign. There's some kind of contract dispute going on behind the scenes. He's not happy with the terms that he's been offered. I think Allardyce really needs to find a way to get a tune out of him for the rest of the season. He says he's going to be busy in the transfer market. He reiterated that after this game and and maybe his team selection and the defeat uh, will help his cause when it comes to asking the owners to dig into their pockets. I'm not sure those pockets are very deep. I think this just underlines the fact that, that Big Sam, who's never been relegated, He's going to have a heck of a job maintaining that record, I tell you. Uh, Burnley escaped a shock against the MK Dons, but only just Dean, didn't they? I mean, it went all the way right to the very end. And um, look, I, I think Sean Dyche would be pretty disappointed, bearing in mind uh, that his team that he put out was actually relatively strong. Yeah, very strong. Um, when I saw the, the the lineup, I thought this should be a comfortable win, albeit Russell Martins started to get um, a tune out of his players. You know, we uh, only lost one in six. And so it was always going to be tricky against a form side. But still, you looked at the lineup, and I think it's just glaringly obvious now for Sean Dice that, you know, Chris Wood and Barnes have been superb, but there's got to be a bit, there's got to be a bit more. There's got to be, be something else, isn't there? Cre- there's got to be a bit more creativity in that side coming from midfield, coming from the forward players. Otherwise, it is even for the likes of MK. It's too easy to defend, but they missed a lot of chances. You know, they they created plenty in this game and were very very lucky to get out of it without the embarrassment of going out. Uh, Everton snuck past uh, Rotherham and they needed extra time to do so. I don't think that would have pleased Carlo Angelotti, Crook. No, not at all. Um, we, we mentioned last week that Everton are, are one of the teams who potentially could be dark horses for the FA Cup. Uh, it was the rebirth of. Uh, Cheg Tozen in, in some ways just to remind Carlo Ancelotti that he's still around scored one goal had another disallowed for offside but I think Carlo Ancelotti would have hoped for a more comfortable afternoon obviously the return of uh, Luca Digne was the big bonus for them but again it does show that Everton's squad depth isn't 
as strong as maybe it should be given the money they've spent. I think in future rounds, he might have to pick a stronger starting eleven if, if Everton are to continue their FA Cup adventure. A little bit of controversy around Cenk Toshin and that he uh, turned up with hair. <laughs> Where's he got that from? I don't know. Where where has it come from? Dean, I mean, there's an expert in this field. What what, what happened there, do you think? That's bang out of order. <laughs> I've, no, I've had, I, I have had... I've had all the uh, all the lotions and potions sent through my letterbox as a player from other players thinking it's funny to keep sending me stuff that can rejuvenate your hair. So I can, the only thing I can think is he, it's either there all along or no. he's paid a, an obscene amount of money to... Uh, to, to get himself some. Oh, there's definitely there, there, there's definitely pictures of of it completely disappearing. So there, there's there's no doubt that something has gone on there. Uh, You've had the last laugh, Dean, on those uh, former teammates because look, you're the one sat here who isn't worried about when the barbers are going to reopen after lockdown. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I'm wearing a hat, <laughs> <laughs> and I should be, <laughs> <laughs> or a bag. Um, Bristol Rovers uh, caused a big shock in the fact that they conceded three times against Sheffield United, which is amazing uh, because. Sheffield United, Dean, uh, they don't score three goals very often. But Chris Wilder actually said afterwards, he was quite emotional, this was a big win for our club. Now, it, I think from outside looking in, everyone's like, oh, you've beaten Bristol Rovers, pal. Don't get overexcited. But in terms of the mentality in the group, he's right, isn't he? They needed to know that they could still win football matches, something they haven't done for the entire season. Yeah, I think um, I think you could see almost the relief on his face that they managed to get get through it and I think what will have pleased him and I think what will help well or at least he would like to think it will help is creating lots of chances feeling like you're constantly on the attack and dominating um, a game which they did they created lots of opportunities that he'll be disappointed of course with the two set plays that they conceded um, but I actually in my predictions I think I went 4-0 Sheffield United I thought this would be a game where he would play a strong side and that they could really try and just relax and maybe go and score some goals. It wasn't quite as easy as that, but I think maybe a, a real confidence boost for the forward players in particular to at least have a game where you're dominating and creating chances. Arsenal beat uh, Newcastle, but uh, Alex Crook was commentating for TalkSport on Saturday night. Newcastle could have won it, couldn't they? Yeah, they probably should have won it. Um, Andy Carroll probably still having nightmares about a couple of big chances that came his way. Steve Bruce gets a lot of stick from Newcastle fans, but I thought he got his game plan right at the weekend. They defended well, restricted Arsenal to few goal-scoring opportunities, just didn't take the ones that came their way. And those are the fine margins of football. They ran out of puff a bit um, in extra time. But the big takeaway from the game for me, I know he scored, but the form of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, he was a shadow of the player that, that led Arsenal to FA Cup glory last season. That is a, a problem that... Mikel Arteta needs to find a solution to very quickly because, all right, they've won four games on the bounce. They've beaten four sides. They should be beating. If they're going to start really moving up the table and 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 getting results against the, the more elite clubs, they need Aubameyang back to his best. And he's nowhere near it at the moment. Uh, quick word on Aston Villa against Liverpool. Dean and I commentated on this game on Friday night for Talk Sport. It was a young Villa side because of the COVID-19 outbreak in the Villa uh, dressing room, the first team dressing room. Um, Liverpool took a little bit of a while to get going in that game, Dean. Uh, the big moment was Louis Barry scoring for Villa, the youngster who they bought back from Barcelona for £880,000, grew up in the West Midlands with West Bromwich Albion, went off to La Masia and then came back. I think he was feeling a little bit homesick and Aston Villa thought we could take advantage here. Uh, they look as if they've got a player on their hands. 
They do. I mean, the, the poor lad didn't touch the ball. We were saying in commentary, I don't think he touched the ball for probably 17, 18 minutes. It was a, it was a tough start for him. Uh, but when they did get him the ball, I can see why Jurgen Klopp or called him the little Jamie Vardy because he, he did have that about him. He was willing to constantly run in behind, constantly be a pain. And I've got to say, I've watched the goal again and again and he takes it so, so well. He really takes it like a seasoned professional. And I think just them little moments is all you coaches need to see to, to realise 1v1, one of the most difficult things when you've got time to think, to be that calm and, and put it away. It was joyous, Sam, wasn't it, in terms of that moment, yeah. considering after a few minutes we thought this this could be really embarrassing how easy that first goal went in and the chances they created in the next sort of four or five minutes. But then after that, that was just a glorious moment. Dominic Revan, I thought, played really well at the heart of defence. And Mungo Bridge as well. Looks as if he can step out with the ball. He looks a bit of a talent. Uh, and Ben Crisane, I think we might see more of him uh, in years to come as well. Uh, congratulations to the Mark Delaney and, and the way his team performed. And uh, we must thank Aston Villa for all the help that they gave us in the build-up uh, to that game because uh, they were very forthcoming with information about all of those players, which was good, actually. It, it took me and Dean back to the days when we used to do the Youth Cup variety. TV together, didn't it? We're, we were looking at that Aston Villa team. Um, yes, right. yeah, 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 you're right. And, and also, I thought it was nice for them to to put you in a chair that just had the extra plug socket for your uh, for your for your charged socks, heated socks. I thought oh, he's been nice banging on about them. I haven't. Dean's been banging on about them because he's jealous. He was sat in the, <laughs> he was sat there in the stand on Friday night talking about how Baltic it was outside, and I went, "It's okay." And he went, "Yeah, but you got heated socks on." I went, "Well." Yeah, you can keep having a go at me for having heated socks, but I'm the one sitting comfortably. <laughs> I just, I still just keep picturing these two socks sat there charging. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work like that. They've got their each have got their each of them have got their own individual battery. Um, and you mentioned Jamie Vardy; it's his birthday today. Happy birthday to him! He's 34. Um, listen, have a great week. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday afternoon, bringing you all of the reviews from the midweek action. Um, I think I'm doing Arsenal Crystal Palace that night as well, so we'll record that in the morning, and uh, we will bring you all the reaction from Manchester United going top of the table, and uh, Alex Crook still finding some way to have a go at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, and we'll preview the rest of the week's action as well, because it's a big weekend of action, including that huge game at Anfield. Please rate and review the podcast download it and tell all your friends about it thank you to Alex Crook thank you Sam see you Thursday and Dino cheers have a good week enjoy the rest of your FA Cup the final throws of your FA Cup weekend and the midweek action from the Premier League the Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes the latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 